it was a little by little kind of shift of like, I'm going to cut away things that I was successful in before in getting leads and just going out there and taking a chance of seeing if this market was really viable. Hey, Feasters, and welcome to episode five of season four of Living the Feast. Imagine you are ranked number one in Google for web design and web development for web WordPress in Sacramento. Many would kill for that spot. Well, today's co-host is John Locke, founder of Lockdown Design. John decided to shift away from being a generalist design and developer, purposefully relinquishing his number one ranking and decided to move strictly to SEO. The reason he did this was because he wasn't getting high quality leads into his business. He tested a few other niches along the way and we talk about the exact steps he took in doing that and how he decided on whether or not they were viable for him. He's since settled on SEO for manufacturers and his business has grown leaps and bounds in a very short time. I'm sure John's story will resonate with you as he shares some of his fears, thoughts, and actions along the way. So let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Feast, the premium online coaching and community designed for web developers, designers, marketers, and freelancers of all type wanting to specialize their business and build recurring revenue that's profitable and sustainable. Today's market is ever-changing and yesterday's advice won't cut it. Feast members get access to the roadmap and training library, which includes everything you need to niche down, build recurring revenue, and become that go-to respected person for your services. That, together with monthly roundup calls, exclusive workshops, expert chit-chats, and our Slack community, you'll have everything you need to live the life of your own design. If you're serious about not competing on price and having clients that respect you and your expertise, then join Feast. Head over to feastcourse.com today. Feasters and today's featured co-host is John Locke. Welcome, John. How you doing? <laughs> John is the owner of Lockdown Design. He helps manufacturing companies with search engine optimization so that they get more requests for quotes. And I actually had to look that up, John, because I saw it was abbreviated on your site and we'll dive into that in here in a minute because I like that. He does this by leveraging organic traffic from search. John, why don't you elaborate a little bit more and, and tell us why you do what you do? Yeah, definitely. So I started building websites about seven years ago now. And before that, I had had a whole career uh, separate from that. But about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, I started positioning toward SEO because the people that I was running into as clients, that's kind of what they were after anyway, was the web traffic. And I had had mm -hmm. some forays with side projects uh, where I had done SEO. So I just decided to, to put the 
pedal to the metal on that and just change the positioning entirely. Do you want me to elaborate like on how I came to the manufacturing part of it or? Yeah. Well, before we jump into that, um, I assume that you did design a little bit of development and implementation for all sorts of different clients, right? How did you get into that? I mean, and, and what was your strategy when you were working with all those kind of clients? Great question. So, yeah, I, I had a whole bunch of different clients. I did uh, kind of 50-50 between my own clients and subcontracting to other agencies. And mm-hmm. like I said, I, I started late to the game, pretty much learned like HTML, CSS, a little bit of JavaScript, a little bit of PHP, custom WordPress theming. That That's kind of where I cut my teeth a lot. And I would basically get local clients from just scouring around town and, and uh, people coming into my website. And then, you know, the other half of it, just answering job boards and establishing relationships with other agencies and dealing with that. That was okay. But a, a lot of it is, it's almost like you're, you're more, I was where I was at was more of just a generalist and it, and it wasn't really where I wanted to be as far as that. So, I mean, everything was word of mouth or in town or local in that kind of thing. So you couldn't, from the way that sounds anyways, that you couldn't figure out a way to know where that next project was unless it was at a local meeting or somebody referring you, correct? Yeah, that that's pretty true. Like I, I said, I, there is a bit of a foundation there. I almost always had an ongoing relationship with one agency or another, and then, you know, the other half would be local clients. And it was a lot of kind of scouring around to, to find that next thing. So what really happened about a year and a half ago is I killed off all my subcontracts hmm. to agencies. So this was not only just a pivot to SEO for manufacturing, but it was it was pivoting completely away from, you know, doing WordPress development because where I was at is I was ranking number one here in Sacramento for WordPress web design and WordPress development. But the leads that I was getting were not always the highest quality. And I kind of wanted to to move away from that and just see what would happen. So like I said, I changed all the positioning on my site to be about SEO. And I, you know, kind of gradually downplayed you know, the local marketing as well, mm-hmm. because the homepage was all focused on, you know, the local market. And I, you know, downplayed that. And what happened is I fell out of the the top part. I fell out of number one, basically, for local market in WordPress design, though I think I'm back up to somewhere on page one there now. And I changed everything to SEO. I started, if you go back at my blog, you'll see also too, that I started writing about SEO almost mm-hmm. exclusively about maybe 15 months ago, 16 months ago, just to try and tell Google like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough, I had a couple local clients that I got right off the bat. What happened after that is I saw kind of what was happening overall in the job market. There's, I have one fabricator that's on my client roster now. So I said, I will position around manufacturing because at the time, 
everybody was really hyped up about the you know tax breaks for you know American jobs and and mm. stuff like that. And the way I was thinking is you know people are going to have more marketing budget for that. So what's happened as a result is I used to get no inquiries you know coming through my site from other time zones. It was just here in the local market. But what's happened since then is I'm getting inquiries from all four time zones in the U.S. I've gotten inquiries from, you know, places that are out of town, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that would have never happened before. Mm. And part of the reason is, is there's a handful of other SEO agencies out there that are kind of positioned around that. But there's not a ton there's enough to service that market, but there's definitely room for more because I see right. that there are other people succeeding in it. And you look at the majority of the manufacturing websites out there or industrial websites, and they're not very good. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, they're yep. not very good. People don't do SEO. They don't write content. They don't link build. They don't focus on user experience. A lot of the sites are, you know, were built probably 10 or 15 years ago. So there's room to grow. But I had seen a little glimpse of it just from working with these other agencies, you know, some, uh, you know, industrial sites and manufacturing sites that other people are building. So I know that there are people like interested in it. Mm -hmm. So it was a little by little kind of shift of like, I'm going to cut away things that I was successful in before and getting leads and just going out there and taking a chance of seeing if this market was really viable. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of, lot of questions that I have in there. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, when you decided to essentially chop off a limb of your business, essentially the agency subcontracting work, was that, what was the reason behind that? It's really simple. I left the blue collar world because I had seen, I was a union guy for like 19 years. I worked in bakeries you know, managed bakeries for Safeway. I worked in the Wonder Bread plant, you know, union guy the whole time. I think the most that I ever earned in any of those jobs was around 60 grand or so in a year. And the whole reason why I left all that behind was to be able to, like your listeners, like yourself, I wanted to be able to set my own salary. Mm -hmm. If I could go out there and get it, then I can, you know, bring it in. And that's what I was trying to do originally. So, so basically where I was at was all the local clients that I had before, I still have those, but I was spending like way too much time with agencies and the agencies that I was working for, I wanted to bump up my rate. And cause I was kind of getting a general idea of how much these, you know, other agencies are profiting off of the work of, you know, the people who are building the sites, sure. such myself, other people out there. And I wasn't getting credit for it, you know, enough. Some of the agencies were really cool about it and, you know, they'd give me credit, but some were really just kind of, you know, even though I'm making them tons of money and I would say like, Hey, like, you know, I, this is where I want to move my rate. And it was mm -hmm. like kind of hemming and hawing. And well, if you just do basic site builds and then if you think it's going to be like, you know, really crazy, like over that, you know, cause they would come up with all this stuff that, that, that they wanted mm -hmm. to do. And they not want to compensate. Keep their profit margin. Yeah, and they yeah. don't want to compensate extra. So it was basically, you know what? I just got to be done with this and just 100% like own the client relationships myself and just right. be done with working with agencies. Unless I'm talking face to face with the client, 
I don't really want it because it's not going to get me where I want to go. That's basically it. I was sacrificing Mm -hmm. where I originally wanted to go and I had gotten sidetracked. If I had wanted to do that, I would be an employee somewhere. But that's not what I originally set out to do. So. Yeah. And I went down a very similar path too, especially when starting out because I I came from the agency world then. So I knew both big agencies as well as small agencies and their problems in their development teams basically just being overworked. And I was like, okay, well, they have the clients, they have the sales and I could fulfill the development side of things. And I don't have to worry about sales right now. I could just do the development work. But what I found was that, hey, I was going to have now, instead of one boss, I was going to have 10 bosses with their own timelines. And most of the time, their timelines were absurd. So I was just like, okay, this is not worth it (laughs) from both a stress level perspective, but also a revenue perspective. So I definitely know where you're coming from with that. So the thing that, that really interests me is that you decided to not just focus in on SEO, but SEO in manufacturing. Now, I've been following Viper Chill or Glenn Alsop for a long, long time. And I, you know what? I think that's the first time I've ever pronounced his last name out loud, but for a long time. And and he, you know, he's I'll I'll link up his blog in the show notes here, but he's he's it's an SEO great case studies that he pushes out all the time. Uh, But he has like this top 10 list that he goes into with niching over the past couple of years anyways. And he tries to find niches that are the next thing to work in SEO, in the realm of SEO. And for me, when I look at this top 10 list, I just don't look at it from the SEO perspective because one, I'm not one, but I like to hear his thoughts on, hey, this is an industry or a niche that is up and coming or how there is an opportunity for other businesses to you know, work in this space and grow their own businesses. And one thing that he keeps on mentioning is manufacturing. And it was like, oh, hey, maybe John saw the same list that I did and he picked that or was it I'm hearing it from how you describe yourself as one being blue collar to the manufacturing space in and of itself they yes they definitely have older looking websites and probably have problems in and amongst themselves that not just SEO, but other things as far as marketing is concerned to help grow their businesses. What was it specifically about the manufacturing industry that really attracted you or drew drew you in to help serve them? Well, I mean, this isn't even the first time that I've tried to niche down. And I've talked about this before in in other places too, but I tried to niche down in e-commerce before. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out, you know, where I wanted it to work out. And the process for me doing that, trying that niche before is the same process that I, that I tried this time, which is basically looking at the intersection of who have I worked with before that I like to work with, you know, where is there an opportunity, who can afford to pay, you know, do I want to build a client roster of, of these type of people? And just looking at the pros and cons and, and coming down to one category that I wanted to try. You know, and even going way back, way back, I tried niching down to, to bakery uh, websites a long, long time ago because I figured like, hey, I, 
understand it perfectly. But right. that never worked out either because a lot of them just don't have the money. Right. <laughs> so, it was, so it didn't work out. But with manufacturing, here's the thing. It's And like I was talking with my wife about this too. It's It's we can market this. It's not bound by a location. We can market this to pretty much anywhere and help them out because I have seen that there's interest in it. We we get inquiries I and mean, it's really weird. I'm, I'm getting more and more people signing up to my email list now that are specifically mm-hmm. from that, uh, which never happened before. I just saw that at least in the short term, that there's a renewed interest in this. There's more marketing budget for that. These are people that I can kind of relate to what they do and I can speak to them in a down to earth way and not be, you know, some techie mm-hmm. nerd guy that speaks a different language. Right. So, yeah. And you do just that too. Like everybody that for listening, definitely go check out his website. He has it down to a T and I kind of teased it in the beginning with the request for quotes or quotations. I think that actually term is, but on the website in and of itself, he just puts it front and center there, help manufacturing companies with search engine optimization so they get more RFQs. Now that's the language that they would use. And that it's not surprising to me why you're getting people to sign up to your list because you're speaking their language. They automatically identify with you right away. Um, how, how did you, how did you, when you first started this shift, how did you start learning that language? Was it just something that you were aware of beforehand or did you just have conversations? I mean, what, what was, what was the thing? Yeah, it was <laughs> some of the things I was not aware of before. Part of it, like you mentioned, is having conversations and just hearing how people refer to things and doing just kind of research and observing how other websites that that are successful refer to those same things. So just, you know, doing the field research, both in person and reconnaissance wise, just looking at, you know, what's really going on and and what they're really after. I mean, because... I mean, honestly, that's that's the goal of any type of manufacturing site is to get people requesting information and specifically wanting a quote to mm-hmm. see if they're going to buy a chunk of services or they're going to buy a, a product or have you build out their product. They just want to know how much it's going to cost. So just that's part of speaking that language. So, mm. yeah. And that and that's identifying, right? Like you you said that e-commerce space, like that's where I grew up, so to speak, and kind of niched down even further than that at this point. But knowing what it is that they want, and if you can essentially identify that for them immediately, just like you did in that headline, like you can't go to your website and miss that headline. Right. Like if I was a manufacturer, I'd be like, oh, this guy's speaking my language. Right. Like he knows yeah. what I want and what I'm aiming for. I mean, that's that's a huge key component in niching down. And uh, you know, even in amongst the rest of your website, like it's funny. What I help a lot of my clients with is landing pages and copy, even though I'm not a copywriter, but how to get somebody to do the conversion on the page, whatever that might be, whether it's a buy now button, sign up for something, request for a proposal, whatever it is. 
I tell them you, you need to follow this formula and it's basically just identify, have them identify with you immediately that you know what you're talking about, empathize with them with some problems, show them some sort of level of social proof and give them that clear call to action. And that's exactly what your, your website does. It, it brings testimonials from your client roster that is other companies and people just like them right? So it's not like, hey, this is an e-commerce site. And if I'm a manufacturer, I'm okay. Well, I can see that he does SEO, but does he really know what I need? I mean, he did well for that person, but that's not my space. Was all of that kind of, was that thought process in, in your plan when you started this whole evolution of pivoting from WordPress designer in Sacramento to SEO for manufacturing? I want to say like 100% that it was, but some of those things I just kind of noticed along the way, because I did redesign the site, that was part of the whole thing as well. But the the testimonials and the case studies that I was trying to highlight were more along the lines of the clients that I was trying to attract. There's other stuff that I could put in my case studies, but it just doesn't fit the narrative that I'm trying to tell. And when it comes to testimonials, I'm trying to put the ones that are most like the clients that I'm trying to attract near the top. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think it helps too as well that I'm getting more people that are just coming in for the straight SEO now. And the web design is part of that. Instead of breaking it all apart, like I'm going to build the site or do the design and then send you off to somebody else to do the SEO. Because a lot of times the, the web design is part of that. So yeah, so in in a way, part of it is intentional, but it's just some some of the things I noticed along the way. It's like, ah, oh, mm. I should probably emphasize that a little bit more, and so that seems to have helped. So, mm. yeah, and, and you've helped me with some questions that I've had on the interwebs too, and just to be able to, it's sometimes the simplest of things, right? Like, hey, this is what I do. This is who I want to attract, but then we muddy up the waters, and myself included with all of this other stuff, <laughs> other clients, other quotes that aren't relative to the person that you actually want to attract. And that in and of itself is being a generalist, right? You're trying to cater to as many people as possible when really you just want to cater to one. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm going to throw in uh, like something else here too. Uh, my friend, Jonathan Denwood over at WP Tonic, he did something similar about a year ago, he was one of these generalist WordPress maintenance uh, type of deals. And he started moving everything toward focusing on LMS, uh, learning management systems, including like having people post articles and writing articles and comparing the different platforms and just the whole language of the site and interviewing guests on his mm. podcast that are all around that. And what he told me is he's getting a lot more leads because it's more focused. So I think as long as you pick something that's a viable market, I think, you know, go for it <laughs> because focusing on a, on some sort of special niche is going to help you out because people will say that's for me instead of saying, how are you different from these 200 other places? Right. Yeah. Um, firmly believer in that. So when you said that you tried a couple of different other niches, right? you tried e-commerce, you tried bakeries way back when you just 
mentioned the word viable. How did you know when something was viable and when it wasn't? That's pretty easy. Like with the bakeries, what I did is I hit up all the local bakeries in town that had websites or needed websites. Some of them just straight up told me, oh, we don't need a website. You know, we get all our business from foot traffic or, you know, they would say, oh, you know, we just don't have the budget. So that's, so I just gave up on that one really quick. I was just like, oh, well, you know, no money, no work. I'm not going to do that. The e-commerce one. I mean, there's a lot of people doing really good in that space, like yourself, Curtis McHale, Mode Effect over in Phoenix. A lot Mm -hmm. of people, you know, specializing in that, they're doing good. I just wasn't, I mean, I kind of like tried to do it with the content. I just never was able to get enough business coming in to, you know, just stick with it and just say, this is, this is worth it to keep focusing on it this much. Mm -hmm. It was some, I mean, to me, it wasn't enough. It just, for whatever reason, maybe I didn't, you know, focus down hard enough or give it enough time. But I just kind of went back to being a WordPress generalist at that point. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that that's uh, something that a lot of people struggle with because they're like, "How long do I give it? Do I have to hit a revenue number? Do I have to have a certain number of clients? How do I know that this thing's going to work out for me?" Um, and sometimes you just have to kind of trust your gut. You know, I've barked up the wrong tree a couple of times myself and it sucks when it happens. You're just like, Hey, this is not working the way that I thought. And if it doesn't, then it's time to cut bait and go try something else. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely it. I mean, I've been really blessed. A lot of the people that I have, I've had with me for a while and I do have clients that are on monthly retainer. I have, I have enough of them to where even if I lost all my other business, I'm not starting from zero each month. I have like a foundation, like no matter Mm -hmm. what. So, so that helps. But yeah, if, if like you said, if your gut is telling you it's time to make a change, it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned to trust my gut over the years, even though (laughs) I've gone against it. Every time I've gone against it, it's never ended well. So (laughs) yeah, same. This has been awesome, John. Before I let you go, What's next? What's the next six months or 12 months look like? Uh, The next six months. So one of the things that I've done is besides putting out, you know, SEO content on my blog is I've kind of resurrected my YouTube channel. I'm publishing once a week SEO tips there uh, without fail once a week. I'm putting it out. If I can put out more, I will. I just published a video. This this will be a couple months back by the time this episode airs, but it is a long video about how I do SEO audits, everything that goes into it, why I want to show, you know, people everything that goes into it. Part of it came from people, you know, saying like, how is this different from, you know, XYZ company over here? Part of it was from uh, just questions I got from other people locally, but it kind of just lays it out you know, what goes into SEO and, and also with people who are signing for a long-term plan with me, usually that's six months. And then a lot of people stay on like a smaller retainer uh, going onward. Mm-hmm. SEO audit is the very first thing that we do because it's like a complete diagnostic of your site, where you're at, where your competition's at, what is Google ranking for these keywords that you actually are wanting to go for. Here's a whole bunch of other keywords that you could go for. Here's the whole content gap of your site. Here's everything that needs to be improved as far as user experience. Here's all these 
you know, places where you should get links from. It just gives it a whole battle plan. And even people who order it mm. as a standalone product, they get value from it because it just shows them either, you know, here's what I need to do to do it myself. Or if they're already working with somebody, here's a list of stuff that they can run through over the next, you know, six months or so. Mm. That's awesome. I'm going to be checking out okay. that video for nice. sure. We'll link okay. up the video. We'll also link up the link to your SEO audits as okay. well in the show notes for sure. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've provided me with so much value just, you know, in small little conversations here and there too, right? right? Like throughout Twitter. So definitely everybody, you know, if you have an SEO question, John's your guy. He's very helpful and he, he'll at least point you in the right direction each and every time. So uh, without fail. For sure. John, where can people reach out and say thanks? You can find me at my website, which is lockdownseo.com. You can also go to YouTube. If you search hashtag lockdownseo, you'll find my channel. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm lockdown underscore. Awesome. Great. And we'll, again, we'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes as well. And uh, thanks for joining, sharing. Um, this is something that I am focused in on and helping people figure out their specialty and their niche and, you know, your insights into how you tested the waters and how you validated or invalidated ideas as well is outstanding. And I know people will get a ton of value out of it. So thanks again, John. Thank you for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. And for everybody out there, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. Thank you so much for listening to today. If you enjoyed this episode, then head on over to liveinthefeast.com and subscribe to the podcast. While you're there, leave John and I a five-star rating and review in iTunes as it will help others find this episode. Next week, we'll be back talking with Elliot Murphy of Kindly Ops, discussing how you can figure out the biggest and expensive pain point for your clients and build extremely specific services around that to grow a successful business. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast.